to serve somebody. Come on. This is part two of serve somebody. Time to get your hands dirty. Come on, you guys. Are you glad you can be here this morning? Come on, let's just say yeah. Woo! Awesome. Well, let me say this. Listen, if you weren't here a week ago, if you missed last Sunday for whatever reason, I want you to go to this website, beorange.me, beorange.me. Make sure you watch the message right there. It's got information on the five weeks of service, and we totally unpacked our heart for our five weeks of service and this whole Serve Somebody Be Orange campaign last week. So make sure you get caught up with that because today we are moving from more of a general approach, which is where we were at last week to more of a specific approach. Today, I want us to get personal for a few minutes. I want us to to zero in on this idea of being orange. And of course, you notice that the tagline of this series is be orange. But I want you to know this. Notice that the tagline of the series is not do orange things. It's be orange. And here's what that means. That is strategic for on our part. Because, see, we believe that this series is a defining moment in the life of Next Level Church, and we believe in the life of each and every one of us who are the people who make up this community of believers. We believe that this serve somebody thing is not just something that we're going to do for a few weeks between now and the holidays. This idea of serving somebody, this idea of being orange is something that we are. Servants is who we are, not something that we do. And that's the reason why we have titled this series, Serve Somebody, and then the tagline is, Be Orange. Because our hope is, by using a color to kind of give an icon or a symbol or or a reminder for us, that you and I would be able to truly begin to embody this idea of what it means to live like Jesus, which is to live serving other people. That serving wouldn't just be something that we do as a church, or that we do as a family, or that we do as a community of believers, serving would truly begin to be the defining force of who we are. So today in part two of our Serve Somebody series, we're, we're zeroing in, we're zooming in on what does it mean to be orange? Now, perhaps you're like me a little bit in this, and that you're, you're hearing all of this, and, and maybe last week you heard the, the content of the message, and you're going, Matt, I get it, I appreciate what you're saying, I love the idea of serving our community, but I'll be honest with you, I've got so much craziness going on in my life right now, I've got so much stuff that's happening to me, and, and the, my world feels stressed out, my world feels bogged down, my world feels crazy to me, maybe maybe that's where you find yourself today, maybe you're, you're one of those people who's just, you can't quite see past your own knows because there's so much going on in your life and listen I don't I don't know where you're at I don't know what you've been through but this morning I want to take just a few minutes to introduce us very simply to a woman that we read about in the Bible who felt potentially like a bunch of us feel today that we hear this concept of getting outside ourselves and serving somebody of being orange or whatever that means and, and we're, we're challenged by that but we've got this long list of excuses going on. We've got, we've got this tendency to, to not be able to get past ourselves, not be able to get past our own circumstances. And so if that's you, I think you're going to enjoy what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4, it's toward the front of your Bible, like the front third of your Bible. If you're new to Bible study, there's like 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles are in reverse alphabetical order. And Kings is right smack dab in the middle of them. And in the middle of this Old Testament book, 2 Kings chapter 4, we find a story, seven simple verses about a woman 
who had an encounter with God where she was called upon to be orange. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 says this. If you don't have your Bible, that's cool. The verses will be on the screen around us. You'll be able to follow along with me. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets, or the preachers of the day, cried out to Elisha. Now, who was Elisha? Elisha was like the head prophet. He was like the big dog. And so the wife of, of one of the prophets cried out to Elisha. She said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered or loved the Lord. Then look at this part. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slave. Okay, what's going on here? Basically this. This woman is a preacher's wife. For all intents and purposes, that's what she was. And she finds herself in a pretty desperate place. Her husband has died, and apparently he wasn't very good with the finances. And so he has left her with a pile of debt. And in fact, he's left her with so much debt that the personal circumstances she finds herself in is that her creditors are about to come and take away her two boys as slaves to repay the debt. So here's this woman who, who is just steeped in problems. Here's this woman who's just steeped in stress. And she comes to Elisha, the, the, the big dog prophet of the day. And she says, you got to help me. I don't know where else to go. I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to turn to. Because my husband is dead. He left us in horrible debt. And now these guys are coming to take my kids away. And I just can't stand to let that happen. Look at verse 2. Elisha responds. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? <laughs> don't you love that question? Um, did you not hear the scenario I'm in, bro? But I'm hoping for a little help. You know what I love, though, about Elisha's response right here? I love that, that he doesn't just, like, miraculously intervene. I mean, think about it. God could have used Elisha to, like, walk up to the nearest palm tree, bonk on it, and a coconut fall down, and when it hits the ground, he splits open, and there's money inside, and he's like, oh, well, here you go, praise the Lord. I mean, he could have done that. If you think that's crazy, fast forward to the New Testament. Remember when Peter comes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, there's a temple tax and it's crazy and we've got to pay this temple tax. And he's all freaked out. And Jesus grabs a fish and he opens up the fish's mouth and there's a coin inside. He goes, here, go pay the debt and we're fine. Let's go. So it could happen. If God wanted to show up in that kind of just instantaneous, miraculous, bam, and just reveal himself and, and solve this woman's problem, he could have. But he doesn't do that. Instead, what does he do? He prompts Elisha, the prophet's heart, to challenge her with a question. And not just one question, but several questions. To stretch her faith and to get her to see a perspective on God that she has never seen before. And here's what I believe. I believe that that is where many of us find ourselves today. That as we look across the circumstances of our life, we find ourselves in an unfavorable place in the reality of our life. Maybe it was a divorce in the last year or two that you've had to walk through, that you had to navigate to, and it has robbed you of the joy of life. Maybe it was a job change or a, or a job loss, and you're looking on going, man, this is overwhelming. Maybe it was a financial setback, and, and now your 401k is worth less. No, 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 it's worth less. 
I don't know, maybe it was an illness, maybe it was a sickness that, that came upon you unexpectedly in the last year, and you look at your life and you begin to realize the stress of my life is all consuming, the, the, the place I'm in in my world is just all consuming. How can you challenge us to serve somebody, to be orange, to get beyond ourselves? How can you give us Tic Tacs at a time like this? Maybe that's where you find yourself. In this crazy place where you can't see past your own nose and you're going, Matt, you don't understand. The circumstances of my life are dire. They are grim. But can I challenge you that regardless of what it is that has brought so many of us listening today to the place we find ourselves, regardless of what that is, here's what I know. I know that some of us, many of us probably have asked God for quick deliverance. We've walked in and we've said, that's me, man. I need it. God, touch me. God, do a miracle. God, bring a fish with a coin and the thing. God, do something fast to meet my need. But my contention this morning is this. I believe that God is up to something greater in our life. And if that's you, if you're facing a circumstance today where you're looking on and you're going, it doesn't seem good. My life is stressed out, just overwhelming me and my circumstances are overwhelming. Then my contention to you today is that I believe God is up to something greater in your life, just as he was with this woman. So check it out. Elisha responds and he says, how can I help? But then he asks her another question. And with this question, he challenges the woman to be orange. Let's look at it together. Verse 2. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? And then he asked her this question. Tell me, what do you have in your house? See, if you and I are going to be orange, then we've got to grab a hold of a few ideas. And they come from this story. Notice, first of all, if you want to take notes in your bulletin, I'd love that. That'd be great. Write this down. Notice that he tells her to look in her house first. Did you see it? He, he looks at her and he says, how can I help you? Tell me, woman, what do, you, what do you have in your house? And look at her reply, verse, the next part of the verse. Your servant has nothing at all, she said. Nothing. Did, Elijah, did you not hear me say that the creditors are standing on my doorstep? Did you not hear me say that I am broke, busted, and disgusted? Did you not hear me say that I am in trouble deep? And you're going to ask me what I have in my house? Hey, Elijah, Elisha, let me ask you a question. Take a look-see. What do you see? I got nothing, big guy. I got nothing but goose eggs, homeboy. Zero, zip, nada, nothing. Well, except for this, well, except for some olive oil. But, I mean, what, what, what? I mean, it's just, it's just, I got some Crisco, baby. I got nothing. What? What you gonna do with that, Elisha? I got oil. Here's, here's my question for us. How many of us do the very same thing with God? How many of us are, are not unlike the woman? How many of us, when, when challenged by God to look in our house, go, I don't have anything to offer? How many of us over the last week or two, as we've heard about this Serve Somebody series and Be Orange and the whole deal, how many of us have thought, yeah, you know what, I don't really have much to offer? 
you know what, the stress and the problems of my life is just overwhelming. I just, I can't, I just, I don't, I don't have anything. Well, that's where this woman found herself. She found herself at a place where she's going, Elisha, I don't, I don't have anything to offer. And some of us find ourselves in the same place where we're going, God, you, I, there's no way you could use me. I'm too stressed out. God, there's no way you could use me. I'm too old. God, there's no way you could use me. I'm too young. God, there's no way you could use me. I'm too broke. And we've got a laundry list of excuses as to why God could never want to use us to serve somebody and be orange. And so did she. Until finally she kind of comes to this realization and she goes, oh, oh yeah, um, I actually do have something. I got a little olive oil for whatever it's worth. And Elisha is about to take her to school. And here's what he's about to teach her. When we view something as small and insignificant, God views it as something powerful in his hands. Watch what happens next. Verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And don't just ask for a few. Okay, what's going on here? He says to her, what do you have in your house? And when she finally confesses, oh, I got a little olive oil. He's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you do next. Ready? Step two. Go talk to everybody in your world. Go talk to everybody in your sphere of influence and ask them for jars. And I'm not talking about just one or two little baby food jars. Uh, Honey, you got to go get the mother load of jars. You need some jars. Go ask everybody in your world. Notice number two, that he tells her to look around her world next. He says, listen. God wants to do something powerful in you. God wants to do something powerful through you. But it can never happen if it's only up to you. And here's what I know. Listen, here's what I know. For us as a church, here's what's going on. God wants to do something powerful through us in the next five weeks. These five weeks of service, I don't know about you, but I hear these guys talking about it. And I get fired up, man. I just want to, I just want to punch somebody. I don't know. You're too much of a pretty boy to punch anybody, man. Nobody believes that anyway. Okay, listen, I don't know. I just get fired up, man. I'm just like, can you believe it? What God is allowing us to do, listen. God wants to do something powerful, but here's what we know. We know that if it's only up to just one of us or a few of us, it's never going to happen. Here's what I love. I love that in order for God to do something powerful and miraculous, it takes all of us bringing our jars together for one common purpose. And that's what this Serve Somebody campaign is all about. It's about us bringing our jars together. You know what 2 Corinthians actually talks about it? Chapter 4, verse 7. Look at this verse. I love this verse. The Apostle Paul's writing here and he says this. He says, but we have this treasure. What's he talking about? He's talking about the treasure of the glory of God. God's presence in our life. He says, but we have this treasure. And look at this phrase. In jars of clay. What's he talking about? He's talking about our our flesh. He's talking about earth suits and earthen vessels. He basically says, imagine this, that God has put his glorious might, his glorious presence inside of us. Mere jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. I have put a little piece of my glory in every single one of you. So that when you bring your jar, your jar of clay, your earthen vessel, so that when you put on an orange shirt, baby, 
So that when we come together, watch this, the community around us has the ability to see the glory of God in a way that they never could otherwise. It's us. We're the jars of clay that God has deposited a little piece of his glory in. And when we serve somebody, when we be orange to the community around us, we show them a glimpse of the glory and the love of our Father that they could see no other way. It's not only true of us individually, but it's true of us corporately as well. I love the fact that there are businesses and other ministries and other organizations who are partnering with us to say, you know what, we want to be a part of this five weeks of service, five weeks of community. We want to be a part of this with you guys. We love what God's doing. We love this vision that you've got to lift the people of Southwest Florida. We love that. And we want to be, I'm, I'm amazed at the doctors and the nurses and the pharmacies and the, the grocery stores. And guys, the list is endless. The department stores of businesses, of, of ministries, of the food, uh, the soup kitchen and the food pantry. All of these people in organizations who want to get on board. And listen, here's the great thing. We have no pretense to have to have it invented here. That just doesn't mean anything to us. Listen, we know what we do really well, and we know what you do really well. And so if you, what you do really well works with what we do really well, and what we do really well works with what you do really well. Oh, wait, I'm confused. All is well. Game on. It takes all of us bringing our jars to be filled with what God is doing. Look, he goes on from there, and he tells her in verse 4. Then... Okay, once you get all the jars from your neighbors, and not just a few, but a lot, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she did. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Verse 6. When all the jars were full... She said, bring me another one. She's all giddy excited. She's like, keep them coming. Another round on the house. Come on, bring, bring me another one. But her son replied, there's none left. Mom, mom, we're out of jars. Look at this. Then the oil stopped flowing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number three, notice that God filled what they brought to him. Something I want you to grab a hold of. Oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see oil mentioned in the Word of God, the Bible, it is always symbolic of, of the Holy Spirit in our life. So watch this. I want you to notice that when she brought her jars and the jars from the world around her to the Lord, God was faithful to fill those jars. God will always fill whatever it is that we bring to Him. And notice that God knows how to make useful and valuable what we think is common and simple. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, man, you don't understand, bro. I don't, I'm not good at anything. I'm not, I can't do what you do. I don't know how to pray for people. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. I, I, just, I just work with my hands. I'm just a woodworker. I'm just a business leader. What can I do to serve? Listen, if you'll bring your jar, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will begin to fill your jar. 
And here's another thing I want you to notice, that it's fun when we allow God to, when we bring our jar, our thing, whatever it is that God's blessed us to do, and our talents, our abilities, whatever we have in our house, and surrender it to God, and he begins to fill it, notice that it's fun. She was giddy. She's like, do it again, do it again. Bring me another one. Bring me She was excited. And listen, if any of you have already started serving, and you know what I'm talking about, You've been serving in the community or you're serving in your small group or you're serving in your family. There's something like addictive about it, isn't there? Like there's this feeling that's just like, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again. Like my nine-year-old and my six-year-old are fired up to put on their orange t-shirts and go serve uh, each Saturday. They're just so excited. Why? Because there's something fun. There's something exciting. Who gets more blessed, the people we serve or us? I don't know. That's a coin toss. There's something exciting when you begin to see the Spirit of God flow through your gifts, your passions, your talents, your abilities to serve somebody else in your city. There's something powerful about that. But I want you to notice something else. When they stopped bringing it, God stopped filling it. Listen, don't miss this. This is a word from God for somebody today, and I felt this all week long as I was preparing this message. Listen. There's somebody here, there's some some couples, there's some single people, there's some students who are here. And you can't figure out why you feel like the Spirit of God is stopped up in your life. You feel like you can't figure out why you can't seem to get breakthrough in your life. You feel like you can't figure out why you're just pushing and pushing and pushing. You just, you feel like, I just, I feel like I've hit a lid. I feel like I've I've hit a wall. My contention is... That you, what, you have reached a point in your life, in some area, where you've stopped bringing it and surrendering it to God. And my contention is that if you will get beyond yourself, get beyond your circumstance, get beyond your problems, and start to surrender and submit your jar to the Lord again, here's what will happen. The oil will begin to flow in your jar again. Some of us, we've hit a wall in our marriage, and we can't figure it out. Could it be that you've stopped serving your spouse? And so the oil has stopped flowing. And I believe that these next five weeks in our church, in our city, are going to be strategic for breakthrough in hundreds of our lives. Because this will be the thing that propels so many of us who have just been stopped up in kind of a me Christianity where it's all about me and I'm just a sponge and I just take it in, take it in, take it in, take it in. Well, listen, a sponge can only hold so much. At some point it has to be wrung out. Well, God's about to wring out some of our lives. God's about to wring your neck. <laughs> no, 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 just kidding. Just kidding. Gosh, why is he so intense? All the time intense. You just pray for my wife. <laughs> okay, so verse 7, look. She went and told the man of God. She goes back to Elisha. She's like, we got jars. <laughs> I love it. And look at what he says. Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Notice number four, that God will use what he's given us to meet needs. Here's what I think. I think, what does it mean to be orange? It means trusting that God will use what he's given us, what he has imparted into our life that we're called to surrender and submit back to him. God will use that to meet needs. And notice who he meets needs for. The first one is he met her needs. Did you see it? He said, go and sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. 
The process of surrendering her jar, surrendering who she was and her oil to the Lord. The process of surrender brought the breakthrough in her life. But notice, it wasn't just her needs that got met. Did you see what the prophet said? He said, go and sell the oil. Listen, you can't sell something that doesn't have value to somebody else. What God placed in her house, in her hands, olive oil, had value to meet the needs of other people in her community as well. And watch this. I believe that these next five weeks for us as a church are going to be weeks of breakthrough in so many of our lives. Why? Because as we get beyond ourselves and serve somebody and be orange to the community around us, as we move beyond ourselves and serve, God's going to supply what we need. Breakthroughs are going to begin to flow across our church, across our connection groups. Breakthroughs are going to flow across our kids' ministry, across our student ministry on Wednesday nights. Breakthroughs are going to flow in marriages. Breakthroughs are going to flow in single people. Breakthroughs are going to happen. Needs are going to be met. Why? Because we got beyond ourselves and we serve somebody. And when we do, when the oil flows through our hands, it not only meets our needs, but it meets the needs of the community around us as well. The olive oil that God put in her life had value. I actually did some research this week on the internet about this oil thing in the Bible, this olive oil. And here's what I discovered. Listen, this is pretty interesting. There are over 191 references to oil or olive oil in the Bible. 191 references to oil. Olive oil was widely known and used during most of Bible history. It has a wide variety of applications and was a valuable commodity. Isn't it interesting that what the woman thought was basically worthless, God said, actually, that's a very valuable commodity. It was used for anointing the living and the dead, for sacred offerings, for lighting lamps in the tabernacle, temple, and in ordinary people's homes. It was used for cooking and it was used medicinally. It was also used in personal grooming and as an ingredient in some soaps, as it still is today. Olive oil was used to light the golden lamps in both the tabernacle and the temple in Jerusalem. There's verses here. Olive oil was used to anoint prophets, priests, and kings. Olive oil was used extensively in various offerings to God. Olive oil was used for medicinal purposes, and olive oil was used for the dead and the dying, including Jesus Christ. So what this woman thought was nothing special. God took and said, actually, when surrendered to me, it's very, very valuable. So I have two questions for us this morning. Question number one, what's in your house? What's in your house? What has God placed in your house that he wants to use to serve somebody? What has God placed in your hands, in your house, that you're looking on going, you know what, it's, uh, it's, this can't have much value to it at all. And God says, trust me, if you'll surrender it to me, I'll make it valuable. 
If you'll surrender it to me, I'll put my Holy Spirit on it and it'll begin to flow through your life. And I will use that little thing, that olive oil that's in your life that you think has very little value and I'll make it something of value. What's in your house? And the second question I want to ask you this morning is this. Do you have a need? Do you have a need in your life? Do you have a need uh, where you can't seem to see past it? Because see, I believe that for some of us, for many of us, the need that we have in our life is like a wall around our eyes. And all we can see is our world. And all we can see is our conflict. And all we can see is our problem and our stress and our circumstance and our situation. And we're going to ask God this morning to tear down that wall. That our eyes might be able to see clearly the needs of those around us that our hands might be able to stretch beyond ourselves beyond our need into the head to the hearts of the community where we can serve somebody together so i've asked the worship team to come back and i want them to lead us in this song that we've been singing through this series again this tear down the walls And I want us to take a few minutes right here before we close our time together. And I want us to just sing this song as a prayer from our heart. To say, God, I don't know that I have much to offer. I don't feel like I have a ton in my house to give to you. But God, what I do have, I surrender to you. And I lay it in your hands and I say, Jesus, if you can use this, if you can use this simple thing called me. If you can use my talents, my skills, my abilities, my passions, then okay then I surrender. And so God, right now, I pray over these next few minutes that as we sing this worship song together, that it would be a time of reflection and it would be a time of a prayer of our heart. That we could express our heart to you and say, God, we will be orange for your glory. We will serve somebody. We will get beyond the wall of our own needs. And we will see the needs of those around us. And in the process, you will meet the needs of both. And so Jesus, right now in this moment, come and meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen.